Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Restoring Human podcast, where we believe humans were designed to flourish. Unfortunately, we live in a culture where many of our modern conveniences prevent us from thriving, but through intentional lifestyle decisions, we can return to an optimal state of health. I am Jarek Bakken. I am Dr. Alex Aguello. Oh, smooth, man. Super smooth. Super smooth. Uh, today, we've got a very fun topic. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, the, 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 the diabetes. <laughs> Diabetes. Uh, and specifically, sorry, I, I'm taking my jacket off because I very intentionally wore this t-shirt today. <laughs> you seen this? This is great. Uh, we can talk about this in a little bit. Uh, diabetes. Um, a couple weeks ago, I sent you a picture, uh, or I shared a post on I saw on Instagram um, it was a picture of a like the sign of a CrossFit gym and I've got it pulled up here so I can describe it accurately um, it's octane CrossFit uh, and they have one of those little letter boards and spelled out on the letter board under the sign says we cure type 2 diabetes and I at first I saw that and I thought Dang, wow, that is a beautifully bold statement. <laughs> Pretty bold. Not that I disagree with it, but I was like, this, I'm sure, is going to have all kinds of like backlash. So then I get into reading the comments on this post. You can go look at it on Instagram yourself. And uh, <laughs> Mr. Greg Glassman, the uh, founder, CEO of CrossFit, he gets in there with his... Instagram handle, CFC. Is this a popular gym? Um, it's, I mean, I don't think it's crazy huge. It's, it's in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't mean, yeah, I don't think it's that big. It's definitely not, I don't think it's like even the biggest gym in like the Phoenix area. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, uh, he gets on here. And so, yeah, for, well, first of all, there's people in here saying, you know, like, your guys are dumb. This one lady quotes the, like, exact uh, law that's talking about not being able to claim to have cures of this, that, and whatever. People are railing on her. Anyway, <coughs> he gets in here. First of all, till says he knows this gym. There's lots of medical doctors at this gym. Then he, it's just kind of funny how he splits this up into different comments instead of just writing the whole thing. It's like he's spouting it off and sending it before he completes his thought. Uh, says the 15-year director of chronic disease at the Mayo Clinic told him that CrossFit cures type 2 diabetes. Uh, He says, I am going to define the cure as removing the cause of condition. The cause of, he abbreviates T2, is excessive consumption of refined carbohydrates uh, worsened by sedentarism. CrossFit eliminates both. Last comment. No false claims. (laughs) Uh, 
So, bold indeed. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole can of worms that we want to talk about. Let's start from square one. What the heck is diabetes? Um, well, he's referring to a specific form of diabetes called type 2 diabetes. Um, so when they found diabetes, there was, um, they believe they called it juvenile diabetes, mm-hmm. where because they were finding it in children, and this was where it was an autoimmune condition that the, the person's body just didn't have the ability to actually make the hormone insulin. So therefore, when they would eat something, the blood sugar would go up, um, and insulin was not there to be able to take the blood sugar out to be able to put into the cells. Um, so that therefore, that person would um, die because they couldn't control blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it used to be a fatal disease until they found until they discovered exogenous insulin, so insulin that somebody could take as a medication. Um, But as we got away from the normal human lifestyle, um, people started to develop a different form of diabetes. And then, so then that used to be called adult onset diabetes, meaning um, because it took time for this disease to develop in somebody's body, people weren't actually getting it until they were adults. and it was just totally a lifestyle disease, like you've already described um, at its basic level. Mm-hmm. It was eating too much of the wrong stuff and not exercising enough. Um, and, you know, we can kind of get into later why those two things are important for specifically diabetes. Um, but what was happening with this particular form of diabetes is not that the bodies um, had the inability to make insulin. Um, the body was perfectly fine at making insulin. But because of what was being put inside the body and the body not being able to move, the cells became resistant to um, the insulin um, being trying to grab the sugar and put it into the into the cells, which is why they call type 2 diabetes insulin-resistant um, diabetes, mm-hmm. where the other one, the juvenile diabetes or type 1, is insulin-dependent. So we need insulin because we can't make it. The other one, we can make it, but we're resistant to it because we make too much of it. So those That's are the... Al- it's almost strange that they're called the same thing. Very strange. Uh, yeah. So, okay. that That's one thing I didn't really understand. So Yeah, I guess the two, the two um, similar parts of it would be um, the blood sugar goes high. Right. And one, because you're dependent on insulin because you don't have it to make. The other one, because our cells will become resistant. So then it's, there's nowhere to put it. So it's going to stay in the blood. So, okay. So what, what's, what's the danger of sugar in the blood? Sorry. Um, danger of sugar in the blood is <clears throat> they, I can't remember the exact amount, but it's, uh, it's like even a couple teaspoons or a teaspoon or something like that is if it goes beyond that, we would die. Um, just cause the sugar is so toxic for the blood. Um, it can, uh, it's just like a, um, a poison to the actual bloodstream. Mm-hmm. So people can go, if there's too much, it goes too high, then they go into a coma. So there's diabetic comas. Um, or yeah, I mean, it could get to the point where they would actually die from that. And uh, if 
they have it consistently, you know, if it's a slower process, kind of a chronic condition, then it starts to do um, cause all kind of issues like blindness, you know, neuropathy because it destroys the nerves, the nerves, and that's when people would have pain in the feet, pain in the in the hands. Um, it destroys the arteries. Um, it's going to cause oxidative stress to the arteries. So then that's where it's linked to. Most people that have diabetes end up dying of heart attacks or some sort of cardiovascular event because they damage their cardiovascular system so much with all the high blood sugar. So it's definitely a dangerous thing to have high blood sugar. Um, and that's why it's kind of become its own disease. But, uh, yeah, it's as far as it, you know, what the two type one, type two, type twos, 100% of lifestyle thing. Yeah. Yeah. So let's stick with type one for just another second. The conventional treatment for type one is, and correct me if I'm wrong, exogenous insulin. Yeah. So your body's not producing insulin. You can't uh, take the sugar from your blood, put it into cells. You need that, you know, transmission from the insulin for that to take place. Mm-hmm. Is that like, is there, is having that exogenously, is that like the only thing that can be done about not being able to produce insulin or what? what uh, as far as we know, I mean, there's <clears throat> there's not enough. I don't think there's we've had enough time to research autoimmune disease and, and we don't put the money into researching autoimmune disease enough, um, at least. So I think we've talked a little bit about autoimmune disease on here before, um, but really there's three things that go into autoimmune disease. It, there's a genetic predisposition to that. Mm-hmm. There is some sort of environmental factor that... Um, basically triggers the disease process happening and then there has to be some sort of a gut issue there has to be that leaky gut that we talked Mm -hmm. about in the last series Um, most of the research goes to you know so when you're like donating money at high v or whatever they say would you like to donate a dollar to juvenile diabetes research all that's going to is try to figure out how we can stop the genetic part of it it has really nothing to do they're not saying what can we do about the environment what can we do about healing people's guts so we don't have enough information to say, hey, if we were to address those factors, could a person's body heal enough to where they could start to produce the, um, the cells that are in the pancreas that are not producing insulin? Could those heal? Could those be repaired enough to where the body can now start to yeah. produce insulin? Yeah. So as far as we know, yes, the only actual treatment of it is giving insulin but there's some i've known plenty of people with type 1 diabetes um, that have paid attention to their lifestyle Mm -hmm. and addressed went somewhat extreme on their lifestyle to address the environmental factors as well as the autoimmune part or as well as the leaky gut part and their bodies have gotten to the point where they've healed enough where they barely need any insulin um, they're able to control their blood sugars through just what they're putting in their body and other life, lifestyle factors, um, which ah. is huge. It's huge compared to most people with type 1 diabetes because now, because of the terrible lifestyles of, the, of uh, most Americans, if they have type 1 diabetes and they're just given insulin, basically what they're told is you have to take this insulin 
um, for the rest of your life. Your lifestyle really doesn't matter. Um, you know, if you're going to eat a terrible meal where your blood sugar is going to skyrocket, what does that mean? That means you just take more insulin. And now a lot of people with type <laughs> 1 diabetes have also type 2 diabetes. So they become insulin resistant yeah. and oh. insulin dependent. Gosh. Um, and the reverse has happened. Let's say you don't have the autoimmune disease and you have type 2 diabetes, but again, you take the diabetes medications that are recommended and then you also are on insulin because you now you are not only insulin resistant, which led to your diabetes, mm-hmm. but you're also insulin dependent <laughs> because... <laughs> That's vicious. You have to give that exogenous insulin to even come close to keeping your blood sugar under control. That is vicious. Okay. So not so it definitely wouldn't be called a cure, but a like symptom management for type 1 diabetes your body doesn't like can't control the sugar that's in your blood one option is don't spike sugar in the blood right so you're talking high fat low sugar like low to zero no carb diet yeah is potentially an option there yeah yep and (laughs) arguably could put you in a state where your body could potentially do some healing. Right. Right. I mean, and there's, um, I mean, if the body can't, you know, in its current state, can't make insulin. Um, it's not like we, you know, we talk a lot, a lot about being insulin sensitive. Um, it's not like we don't want to produce any insulin. Mm -hmm. We want the body has to produce insulin for, you know, various other factors, um, part of your immune system and, and you just even being able to get to, to, to produce energy. We have to get things into the actual cells and mm-hmm. the mitochondria and insulin does a lot of that. Um, so we need insulin. So you still wouldn't necessarily be able to survive by just eating that type of diet without insulin. Um, but yeah, it would, you'd be a lot better off if you were doing that, that sort of thing, even with type one. Man. Yeah boggling my mind okay so that makes complete sense your body can't produce this hormone that is necessary to put the uh, energy that you're consuming through your diet to put it into use mm-hmm. makes complete sense so one after i found this thing and said hey i want to talk about this I've been doing a little bit of research on diabetes and insulin and all this stuff. And for for a, a while now, the treatment of type 2 diabetes being exogenous insulin made zero sense to me. And I, I've kind of connected some dots as to, like, that's pretty valid that it still makes no sense but now i'm like oh okay (laughs) it shouldn't make sense so if the treatment is the same so the difference is the body's able to produce the insulin you're just not like you're not there's so so much being produced all the time that it's not being your body's basically saying like 
too much. I can't handle all this. Yep. Right? Yep. So who decided that more insulin was the right answer? <laughs> oh, man. that uh, So a long time ago, we did a podcast on education. Uh-huh. And we talked about how when something is found out in research, uh, it takes years upon years upon years for it actually be come out clinically for it to be used on patients. And I think that's kind of what's happening here. Number one, they were never doing the, the research. Um, they just kind of assumed, hey, these people have a blood sugar problem. We know when mm. insulin brings down the blood sugar. So um, until we can really figure out how to research the genetics part of it, which is what they always do, and maybe come up with the actual cure, ah. um, we're going to at least manage this disease with the insulin. And that's been going on for so long, and I think it's just been trained and trained and trained and trained. And then when somebody, when something's been done for so long, when you actually are now even reading other research um, or um, planning other research, we tend to like try to make it fit what we already know about about the the disease. You know, so if like somebody does some research that says something maybe um, that would be going against what we believe about it then we can kind of justify, of you know, this was bad research or, you know, this person maybe had some sort of a bias, that type of stuff. And then if we're going to go plan a study and we think that this is right, then we try to use that study to, to prove what we already what we already know. Mm-hmm. So I just think there's just been a lot of really bad research. Um, plus, there's so many people that have type 2 diabetes. There's so many people that have prediabetes in what's called metabolic syndrome insulin resistance problems mm-hmm. um i think it's like a third a third of our country has it right now so there's really no time for actual doctors to think about anything else because they have all these patients coming in coming yeah. in and saying okay well here's what we know right now so do this and mm-hmm. you know i have to get to the next person that i have to give the same thing to basically so uh, there's a lot of research currently that is happening showing what we're talking about that insulin mm-hmm. um you know, somebody like you who just looks at it and says, that this does, doesn't make, f- the, my basic understanding of physiology doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, there's a lot of research now that are that, that is proving that. Um, but that, unfortunately, it's just going to be a lot of time for that to actually come out and it be a, a actual treatment. Right. So, because, granted, I like, didn't know much about the, call it a disease chronic disease yeah you'd call it that didn't know really know much about it the fact that it's like you can attribute a death to type 2 diabetes like the more the more i've learned about it like a lot of times it seems like it's not necessarily the high sugar in the blood. It's like different effects from this, out, like the outrageous amounts of insulin that are then in the body. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So it's like they see this, <coughs> this, this like problem. I won't go, I won't put my little air quotes there. Sugar in the blood is a real problem. However, with type 2 specifically, it's not like, that's not the cause of the problem. Right. Like, it's not the fact that out of nowhere, 
you've got sugar in the blood. Right. There's, there's, that's not like, whereas when it's a genetic thing, when it's from birth, that may be the case. That's not the case with this type of the disease. No, not at all. Um, it is, I mean, sh- the blood sugar is the symptom and it's like, uh, you know, that symptom, if it st- goes on long enough, we've already talked about it, it can cause diabetic coma, it can eventually kill somebody chronically, it causes neuropathy, it causes you to go blind, and all. And just even the blood sugar in there itself could cause cardiovascular issues. Because the insulin's taking the sugar elsewhere. Well, no, so, so just the sugar in the blood being is, is damaging to the body. It's toxic to the body. So sure. that could lead to more disease processes or, or more symptoms and, and eventually kill somebody. But it's the why the sugar is in the blood that leads to more problems. Right. So I guess maybe my question is, with type two, what what's the insulin then doing with the sugar in the blood? If it's if it's at least keeping somebody alive, what's this? What's the what's exogenous insulin doing? Yeah. Where's it Where's it taking the the sugar? Yeah. What do you think? Everywhere else. <laughs> Yep. So basic explanation, insulin takes sugar from the blood and puts it inside cells. Um, So that can go into a muscle cell, that can go into a liver cell, that can go into a fat cell. Um, So basically the the body's like, hey, I have energy right now. If I'm not going to use it right now, I'm going to store it up in case I need it for later. So I'm going to figure out where to put it at. so it'll find a cell to put it in. We all have kind of this genetic um, limit of how fat we can get. So if we fill up all of our fat cells, so let's just talk about one cell. It has enough fat, has enough either fat that's been put in there or sugar that's been turned into fat that's stored in there. That's when it becomes insulin resistant. That's when it's going to say, I can't have any more. So then it would go on to the next cell, fill that one, next cell, fill that one. So it goes to all these, you know, liver muscle so that it can be used because those are the ones that really use the energy. But then if it does it, then it just starts to go around, you know, your belly, starts to go around your arms, starts to go around your butt. It just figures out where to put all these things. And the very last thing is when it starts to put it around your heart, Mm. around your pancreas, and Mm -hmm. that's called the visceral fat, um, which will eventually kill you. You know, that's that's where all the fat around your, your vital organs is is the really chronic disease part mm-hmm. of it. Um, yeah, so it finds out where to where to put it. But the more you put, <laughs> that's why people that are on insulin, they gain weight, you know? And so Dr. Jason Fung, who you yeah. posted a yeah. video of him. Oh, God, it's so On good. the thing, he, he said, he even admitted, because he's like one of the biggest ones that's speaking out against insulin, being the treatment for type two diabetes, and he's a he's an MD. He is an MD. Yeah, he's a nephrologist, so a kidney doctor. Um, so he gets all these people that have type two diabetes, and they and it's destroyed their kidneys. So he's why he's managed. Basically, he's there to manage their kidney disease. But what he does is gets rid of the type two diabetes, and he knows the kidneys are going to heal if they get rid of the type two diabetes. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> he's. He's admitted that it took him a very long time for him to figure out the whole insulin thing. Mm -hmm. And he said, what's crazy is my patients were telling me this. Yeah. My patients would come in 
and say, Doc, the more insulin you give me, the fatter I get. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense to me. Uh-huh. And he, because, you know, he was trained that way, he said, well, that, that's just, that's the only treatment we have. That's all we can give to you. So the patients know that something is not, <laughs> this doesn't seem to be right, right? The treatment you're giving me seems to be making me worse. Um, so that's what happens. It makes you, f- it, it is, it is um, anabolic. It makes so bodybuilders, even if they want to put on more mass and more muscle, they take insulin. And so we could put on muscle, we could put on fat, or the body's just going to grow tumors. And that's what tumors are, or that's what insulin, one of its effects is, is um, tumor producing. So there's insulogenic tumors that happen. And uh, yeah, that's just what it's going to do, make us bigger. It puts tissue on our body basically is what insulin does that's nuts so okay let's back up slightly what what is so break down what is the actual lifestyle because we we have established this is type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle disease What's the lifestyle that leads to insulin resistance? Uh, anything that is going to um, cause your cells to take in a ton of energy and not use it, that energy. Mm. Um, so again, basically eating a bunch of carbohydrates, mostly refined carbohydrates, but also eating... Um, fat at the same time as those. So like a high fat, high carbohydrate diet would be the worst possible thing that you could be eating. So what is it about that combo? So the, the, um, those are both forms of energy. Sure. So the body wants to store it. And if insulin is on, like we've talked about previously, you can't burn fat for energy. You can't use it for energy. Mm-hmm. So the fat you're putting in your body if you spiked insulin with the carbohydrates and if your chronic diet is always carbohydrates or anything else, like even protein that, that brings insulin up, then even the fat you're putting in your body, you're not going to burn. You're not going to use, you're going to store it. So then now that's what I was talking about. It goes into the cells. Your cells have a genetic kind of limit to how big they can get. Once they've got to that point, they pull in all the receptors and they say, I'm not taking it anymore. And now you become insulin resistant and you uh, eventually will have type 2 diabetes. They say that it's, um, I think I heard this from a guy named Dr. Ben Bickman, who's a huge, he's a researcher, biochemist, and he studies um, insulin resistance a ton. He said it's 10 years. um, What research shows now is that you are insulin resistant for 10 years before you have type 2 diabetes. Really? So we could... Oh. Do a ton for people. Um, <laughs> pretty much the disease, I think, could be eradicated if if we just address the insulin resistance part, if we just address that. Because there's no, again, there's nothing that we can do outside of just stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> right, there's nothing you could take. There's nothing. There's no any sort of other procedure, surgery, none of that that you could do if you're going to continue to eat a high-fat, high-carbohydrate mm-hmm high toxin I would add into that mm-hmm. diet um, it's only stopping to doing it's going to be the, the answer 
Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so that uh, okay. So that that guy you referenced uh, was his name Ben Bickman. No, sorry, Jason Fung. Fung. Yeah. So the kind of the two things that he was talking about in this that really kind of, you know, blew my mind a little bit. Um, as you mentioned, there's there's two types of energy, essentially, that we're taking in. Either carbohydrates or fat. Both of them, the body can utilize for energy. And so the kind of conventional wisdom of the low-fat diet essentially came from this understanding that let's introduce this little thing called a calorie and do some simple math saying that a gram of this fat is much more dense calorically than a gram of this carbohydrate. Well, the answer must be we just need to consume less energy through fat than and and we can let people eat the carbohydrates because there's far less energy per gram here. Right. That must be the answer. Right. <laughs> one of, so one of the things that the uh, super interesting that he was talking about is calorie is this just unit that we have made up you know it's not something that your body actually knows anything knows about. anything about <laughs> your body does not know like it has no uh scale no receptor for a calorie right uh you know there's i think there's value in understanding you know how that kind of works and you know to a degree it is helpful but like it is not a simple game of math right and so what that also led him to say is he like he's not necessarily uh you know on a a super high fat low carb guy he's an anti insulin guy right is essentially what he was saying so it's like your body needs and can use carbohydrates it's great the the problem is it when every 2 hours every 20 minutes whatever he, this is this is that little video I shared. You're eating, telling your body store fat, store fat, yep. store fat. That's the, like that's where this problem is arising, and so that's then where the beauty about fat and why ketogenic stuff and all this high fat stuff has become so popular is because fat has no response on insulin, right? Or insulin does not respond to fat. Beautiful. Beautiful. There. Close. Yeah, so he's probably the <laughs> main the person. I mean, there's a lot of people talking about the whole intermittent fasting thing or time-restricted feeding. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but he's the main person, at least that I know of, that um, has really, um, I guess, got it out there that fasting is is beneficial for the body. Mm-hmm. Specifically, again, he's using it as a treatment. Um, I mean, he would be on board with it just being part of a healthy lifestyle. But, mm-hmm. I mean, that's how he helps all these people with type 2 diabetes is is fasting. Um, so he talks about in that video, he, he mentioned that most people who know what they're talking about are kind of in agreement with what to eat, but it's the when part mm-hmm. of it that is, mm-hmm. um, we're still having trouble with, which is just something that's over time been changed. We eat so much now. I have, that was the first time I heard of the research that when they look at how many times people eat, like yeah. the, the high, like the, the 90th percentile eat more than 10 times a day. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And nobody eats less than three, at least when they, the people that they um, surveyed, it was like 3.3 times a day was what the lower the 10% was. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's eating, my insulin's up and it never comes back down. I eat again, it never comes back down. I eat again, it never comes back down. So that's how people get chronically high insulin levels. And then that's how they, that's how it creates insulin resistance in their body. Yeah. Uh, I also... Uh, this was an older interview, but the deep nutrition girl, um, I listened to her talking to Dave Asprey mm. and very similar conversation, just talking about, um, specifically they were talking about like kids and how like, and I've even been dealing with this a little bit. It's like the, the like snacking culture is has like led to this, you know, kids eat breakfast before they go to school. Then like an hour or two later, there's a mid morning snack. Everybody gets whatever it is, graham crackers or, you know, fat reduced milk, (laughs) whatever it is. And just like breeding this just habit of this insulin response, this store fat take something in like just on the hour whatever it may be yeah it's crazy i mean it's it goes right along with just the um just the change in our culture of it's always go 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 like there's nobody could ever just chill out nobody could ever just do nothing Mm -hmm. you know one of the biggest things that my wife more so than than i have because um it still seems kind of weird for me, but she says she's trying to teach our kids that you need to learn how to be bored. Yeah. Like life's not going to be all about fun and always having something to do, which, I mean, I guess it probably could be in the culture that we live in, but that's not how it was supposed to be. And uh, you need to learn how to just not have anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, I don't remember when I started, but I did another three-day water fast and it was unbelievable. I was, I was hungry zero times Mm -hmm. for three days, but I wanted to eat 5,000 times. Mm -hmm. And then when I ate nonstop, just wanted food in my, Mm -hmm. in my body. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like super convinced now that is way easier to do a three day fast than it is to do just a 20 hour fast. Yeah. Because you're, or even to like eat three meals a day and take that four or five hours between them. Because if you've given yourself food, it just now, I'm sure it's partially biological, 
that gives you this dopamine fix mm-hmm. and now you want more of that dopamine fix. Yeah. Where if you're going to say, I'm going three days, now you're looking for other things to bring you pleasure. Yeah. So that that's also interesting too because it's not necessarily the like any type of like digestive hormone it's you know you enjoyed it and i I think that's great we're like we should enjoy food it's a wonderful gift um but one of the other things we're talking about the deep nutrition girl like again forget her name um it's like if shanahan yeah, yeah, yeah yeah if you so if even if you're not fasting you do eat breakfast if you don't screw breakfast up, like you don't necessarily need to eat lunch, you right. know? It's like if you if you avoid carbohydrates at the beginning of the day, we've talked about that a number of times. Have something, you know, real food, high in good quality fat, like and then she's talking about like if you're you know, it's it's lunchtime and you've got like zero good options. Well, your best option might be not to eat, and like you're gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. So that's the, I think something that might be, <clears throat> uh, maybe it's just interesting for me. I don't know. Might be helpful though, is to know that insulin resistance is not the body that something's gone wrong in the body. It's the body doing the right thing at the right time. It's kind of how we were just genetically programmed with this intelligence of our body to do something right. So if we think about like a bear, when the bear is going to go into hibernation, Mm -hmm. like leading up to that, they're insulin resistant. Why? Because they need to store as much fat on their body as possible so that they can still survive when they're in this deep sleep. So the body pulls in the receptors for the sugar and um, doesn't, it has this energy always out there. So when we eat too much of this stuff we and we get full and we have all this, that basically we have enough energy stored and there's just can't go any more in there, then the body is, is not, it's not broken down. It's not stupid, you know, because I think people could think that, well, why would the body allow the blood sugar to be so high? It's doing it because we've given it, we've kind of, it's hit a limitation of matter. There's nothing else that could be done. It's mm-hmm. tried everything that it possibly can do. Mm-hmm. And again, our in- educated minds want to say, well, we can overcome that by just giving more stuff from the outside to try to make this work. And but it's like, no, you're uh, never going to, you're never going to be able to, um, overcome the intelligence of the body. So, man. and okay. And so this kind of leads us to this very, sketchy factor in all this it's like okay if the body has this natural response to say hey we've got all we need and more we can't take anything else like like okay like that's great the the body's responding to that let's let the body do its work it's super smart the only person who is benefiting from saying, "Oh no, we can we can fix this. We can we can like allow you to consume more," is the 
person who is going to be profiting right from somebody eating more right and so which is part i mean i didn't add that to that my when you asked me about what, who the heck came up with insulin being oh uh, yeah yeah um full circle here that's the whole thing of you know so the research that's going to continue to be done on why insulin's good to give that type 2 diabetes are going to be the done by the people who are selling insulin and you know. and the people selling sugar yeah yeah so <laughs> now or just processed foods in general well, you know, yeah. like the yeah. sugar combination with the fat and mm-hmm. they want and that are those are going to be the same people that do the research on why the calorie theory is correct because if the calorie theory is correct it doesn't really matter if you eat that terrible stuff because it's just the same amount of calories as a is a you know a Cal- piece of steak yeah so it's the same if you're going to eat it go ahead and just move more burn it off mhm Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, not the case. So maybe before we get back to the CrossFit thing, what is the role of exercise in all of this? How 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 does that change the equation? So exercise is a big part of making you more insulin sensitive or or less insulin resistant. So the exercise again wouldn't be important to burn calories off. It would be important to make you um, more insulin sensitive. So if I have a lot more muscle on my body than I have fat, um, then the muscle is like a, uh, just holds on to the energy stores Mm -hmm. because it uses it very quickly because when we use our muscles, they're you know, metabolism of this energy is a lot more than the other parts of our body. Plus, when you do eat something like a high sugar food, muscles have this um, process that it can bring in that sugar into it without insulin. It's not insulin dependent. Um, So the more muscle we have, the better we're going to do with taking in those um, carbohydrate foods, which means if let's say an insulin resistant type two diabetic takes in a hundred grams of sugar and I take in a hundred grams of sugar, if I'm super insulin sensitive or let's not use me, let's say an Olympic athlete, sure. um, this person is going to do their insulin's not going to go up as much mm-hmm. because they have enough muscle to use that sugar or that person most likely has no muscle. Yeah. So that's going to spike insulin a ton, which is then you get into this vicious cycle. The more you spike insulin, the more insulin resistant you're going to become. So the exercise um, allows you to not require as much insulin, and it also makes your cells more insulin sensitive. So you're going to even utilize the insulin that does get produced in a better way. Yeah. So that's where you get, you know, big dudes like Austin, who we had on here, who, you know, might eat seem like oh my gosh he can sit there and eat so much more than i can like his yes he can because it you know it's not a it's not a calorie thing it's he's you know doing something exerting himself to where he's then has to fuel back what he's exerting you know right right um I mean, I guess there's some there's some parts of the calorie thing that's I mean you're still if you're exercising you're of course using more of the energy, um, but that gets negated if insulin is high, 
doesn't matter yeah. how much you're in insul- you're exercising you're not going to burn fat off of your body if insulin is high mm-hmm. so it's the becoming more insulin sensitive that is the important thing with exercise yeah so i think it's it's probably important to just at least touch on the fact that so when uh when insulin takes sugar puts it into you know like muscles for example that's this then's when we're talking about exercise that's then this super quick readily available energy for muscles to use and so then when you use it depleting that that's where you're talking about okay now my body's in this state where it's like your body's your muscles are essentially hungry it's like give me this energy you just used all of this like come on bring it on i need i need this to kind of you know refuel yeah so back to where we started we have the cure for type 2 diabetes crossfit is at the base We've referenced this pyramid a couple times. At the base, so picture, picture the fo- the old school food pyramid, like different layers as you go up, each of them getting smaller, biggest at the bottom. The base of the CrossFit pyramid, nutrition. What kind of nutrition? Restricted carbohydrates, nuts and seeds, or sorry, fruit, meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds. Some fruit, little starch, no sugar. That's the the core, the foundation of what CrossFit is. CrossFit is not primarily a you know training regimen. It is absolutely like that's a huge part of it, but the foundation is restrict, restricting carbohydrates essentially. Then built on top of that is all these other things. You know, metabolic conditioning, weightlifting, sport, all of this stuff that then is not the, uh, so what that sign isn't saying is that, hey, we've got this amazing exercise that will, like, allow your body to fix the problems that it has. It's saying that the foundation of what we teach plus all of this other stuff that we do is like the winning formula. Yep. And I mean, there's, and there's, that's all true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I looked this up. This says, this is Wikipedia. A cure is a substance or procedure that ends a medical condition such as a medication, surgical operation, a change in lifestyle, or even a philosophical mindset that helps end a person's suffering hmm. or the state of being healed. So, yeah, that's that would fit into that. Um, so I think, I mean, I didn't read the comments, but I think um, part of the why people maybe were offended is, um, well pride goes into that right if somebody didn't come up with it 
they probably were like, man, I wish I would have said that, and they didn't say it, so then now they want to speak against it, and it's mm-hmm. probably part of that. But people also in the medical field, you know, they uh, are in that, and that's part of their identity. So their identity might be getting attacked. They might feel like their identity is getting attacked. So, of course, that's going to result in trying to defend. Um, but hopefully if we could just get rid of all of that and, and, and it's not uh, and we not don't see it as part of our identity, we just really want to end this suffering that's yeah. happening, then we could be accepting of something like that. Who cares if it's illegal to say that, um, you know? <laughs> If somebody, if somebody actually believing that and then putting that into action and they got help, they don't have type 2 diabetes anymore, I, I, I don't think anybody would care that it was illegal to say that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, and like, heck, maybe the fact that it is illegal will get, it'll allow you to get more attention towards what you're trying to do in the first place. <laughs> and help people. So I'm not advocating for breaking the law. I don't even really understand if it is against the law, but it is. I mean, there's a <laughs> whole like even like what we do. We're probably supposed to be having some sort of disclaimer saying that what you know this isn't medical advice. Oh, We're not yeah. telling anybody that this is to cure yeah, and everything like that. Which does that. which we don't. I mean, no, we're not saying that. But that also, like, I just just think about how crazy that is. Like we've given the medical community like this kind of right that they're the only ones to say that this is the cure for whatever you have going on. And if anybody else says it, then, you know, that it's illegal to say that. And I know part of that is because, you know, if medicine says that and then it doesn't happen, then they could be sued, you know, because of malpractice. Sure. Sure. Um, And, you know, that CrossFit gym can't be sued because of malpractice. So there's part of that whole thing that goes into it. But, it's just kind of an example of how we've taken responsibility of our own health and put it into the system um, and says, you know, you guys are the smartest people in the world and you know everything about my health, so tell me how to get healthy. And unfortunately, that system has become, you know, enabling people to continue to live a terrible lifestyle by, because they have the answer of some sort of a drug or some sort of a surgery to, to do. Um, yeah that's not going to, that's not going to relieve suffering. So whether that, you know, sign is legal or illegal, that sign's going to relieve suffering if people mm-hmm. accept it and do something with it, um, which is what we're about. You know, we want to relieve suffering and that's why we're talking about this sign in Arizona or whatever, <laughs> you know, so yeah, who cares about the, I mean, I, maybe that's not something I should be saying either. Who cares? <laughs> but <laughs> We want people to be get better, right? We don't want people to have to suffer from diabetes. And yeah. and and we, we, I think another thing is we respect people's intelligence. That there's not somebody that's going to see that sign and say, "Oh, I'm just going to go and walk into this gym and say, hey, where's the cure for diabetes?'" Mm-hmm. They're going to have an understanding of, "Oh, this is something that I actually have to do now." What these people offer, what these people teach, I have to then do, and then potentially my diabetes could could be cured if I do it. That doesn't mean I go right in there and I stop taking some sort of medication that my doctor gave or I stopped going <laughs> to my doctor. None of that stuff is implied in that. It's, hey, we have an answer. If you do what we do, if we do what we teach, then you could the suffering that you're going through could be relieved. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Uh, we can just change our verbiage and say uh, 
can't say cure, we probably have something that will relieve the suffering you're experiencing associated with type 2 diabetes. <laughs> yeah. Make it super convoluted. Uh, way off topic. Speaking of uh, my t-shirt and doing things that uh, are much more for attention and not necessarily directly to the heart of the issue. Uh, first of all, Quadzilla, this t-shirt, if you want this t-shirt, hold on, let me show you this little Easter egg. Uh, you might be familiar with uh, this t-shirt right there. You notice that? So that Phillips t-shirt? Yeah. You might be familiar with this t-shirt that this Quadzilla is uh, wearing. This is a little Quad Cities tee. Uh, our good friend, Phil, Fleet Feet Sports, you can get this there. Back to what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> did you see that video that I made with him for his house? I watched part of it. I didn't watch all of it. Basically made a MTV Cribs parody to <laughs> sell his house and it got a lot of attention even though it wasn't like his we were talking about it last night his wife didn't actually like didn't actually watch the video it's like oh phil and jerick made a video walking through the house you know giving a little house tour or whatever great so she like she shared the video without ever even watching it and <laughs> had you know her phone's lighting up about all this different stuff and not realizing that it's not just a simple informational thing, but it was it was intended to get somebody's attention. So it worked. Nice. They're still in their house. Uh, cool. Anything else going on? Like, I don't think so. It's like the end of the show. If you made it this far, we can you know just ramble about whatever we want. <laughs> I'm thinking about doing that carnivorous diet. We, we, well, Alex listened to this thing, uh, sent it to me, and so I listened to it. I'm most almost done with it. This dude is eating, and he's a carnivore, eating an all-meat diet, uh, and experiencing great markers of health mm -hmm. while doing it. And performance. Uh, and band performance, for sure. Um... Yeah, like, I don't, well, okay, so he's probably, you're eating a bunch of meat, and he said he's eating like four pounds of steak, steak you know, red meat every single day. I'm wondering what the... Uh, macronutrient breakdown of that is. Um, he said he, he probably would be considered ketogenic. But suit, but crazy high protein. Yeah. I mean, at the most, 50% protein. Well, probably 40%, I would say. 60, 40, maybe. Still, though, so what is, what is that, the presence of all of that protein... How's that contributing to just energy usage? Is it just, I mean, the fact that the his sugar is just non-existent, is that like he's 
just super efficient with the fat he's taking in or what or what no he's super efficient with his protein being broken down into glycogen ah. so that he can use so basically we can make our own this is why there's no such thing as an essential carbohydrate because we can make our own glucose out of fat or out of uh-huh. sugar or out of protein so yeah he's su- he's fat adapted so he's making he's either utilizing fatty acids very well for energy but he's also like when he gets into the glycolytic parts of exercise mm-hmm. his body's really good at hurrying up and making sugar out of protein that his body has and is that is that a faster process than um using fat uh like b- breaking down the protein into right yeah so i don't know the science enough to know if it's like the body is because he's not giving himself any sugar um to make glycogen stores mm-hmm. if this is something that's already been done so he's already broken down the protein and made it into glycogen stores or if it's something that's immediate i don't think it would be immediate i'm pretty sure it's just something that the body's already prepared for um so no i wouldn't so say like in the moment so he's all so because he has consumed basically protein to the amount that his body's using like he's then like already converted yeah this protein into glycogen who's already in his you know musculature yep. right and because he has so much muscle he has a ton of glycogen so so it's like that's also super interesting because it's it's not necessarily like, so then you wouldn't call that ketogenic he's not i mean unless he, well he, as far as like the macronutrient breakdown i think that's what he meant by ketogenic like okay. he would still be super low car- oh he's zero carb and <laughs> I mean, and tra- high fat trace amounts from yeah that would be essentially whatever the animal's eating i'm assuming right what's interesting and i haven't looked i haven't heard him say this but i've heard somebody else talk about it um when they were talking about him is that he doesn't think uh quality is an issue either so he eats grain-fed steaks he doesn't do the grass-fed i I, I, like i I assumed so if he's eating four pounds a day like i don't know who's got the change for that he's an orthopedic surgeon so okay but still (laughs) for for what like let's add that up what four pounds of grass-fed meat and probably with what he's i just got back on instagram because i wanted to follow him specifically Uh and he has about six times as many posts as anybody else that (laughs) i have on my list so i'm assuming that some sort of meat company has sponsored him and given him as much meat as he wants for sure yeah for sure yeah the, the so there's something there's something some magic in the protein i think so i've myself well i've got i've got two little stories i want to go down here like i said this is like overtime here <laughs> this is great uh these are like the conversations that actually another fun fact this these are like the conversations that alex and i would probably have in the car but yeah alex bought a car now so yeah not driving around anymore we don't have time for these <laughs> um so the over the past couple of weeks i've been doing a fair amount of 
tracking and weighing and measuring my food just to like I've, I've talked about this before just kind of recalibrating seeing what my normal day is looking like what I need to change to optimize things and one of the biggest things I noticed with a normal day I was pretty low on protein because for example it's like I would you know if it's a day I was not eating breakfast and then if I did have something for lunch it might be you know like a some sort of salad and you know high fat avocado olive oil you know some you know minimal carbohydrates lots of fat there and then it would really be only one meal a day in dinner time when I'm having some sort of like animal product you know whatever that may be and just feeling oh geez like the amount of protein I'm getting from that is you know I can't remember some of the numbers from that it was just like of I I so I kind of set like a goal and I was I thought I was being like kind of moderate with the goal and I was under that moderate goal substantially so for a couple weeks not last not this week last week it must have been whatever last week two weeks ago I had kind of dialed that in more and I totally noticed feeling far better at the gym um yeah the other thing I noticed is that what I kind of pictured as low carb was far more close to ketogenic and what I pictured as like high carb was actually like low carb (laughs) so allowing myself some more carbohydrates and now I'm just kind of trying to figure out like how and if I should center those around training yeah uh, that's that's the one thing I'm still trying to figure out. Uh, yeah, the things that will forever tinker with. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, you sent so you sent me this this guy who's eating all meat, and it's literally. Uh, the day before, I had listened to, so the high intensity health guy had. I don't know if I don't think there's a video of this one yet, but um, maybe does he do the videos first or does he do the audio first? I think he does on the same time. I don't think so. No, because all the video stuff I've seen him pushing is not this interview. Is why I've said it's not lined up. But anyway, it is this couple who. Oh yeah, that video's out. The hunter. Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Hunter and basically, basically this this family tries to like grow and gather a huge percentage of what they're consuming. So massive garden and they he hunts for the majority like I think they were saying all of the meat they eat in their home. Any time they would eat any other meat is potentially when they go out but then they're talking about how when they go out the quality is garbage compared to what they eat at home so half the time the the lady said 
a lot of times I don't I don't order meat when you know we go out to eat. They'll say, "Oh, do you want the, the chicken, the steak, or the tofu or whatever with it?" Should I'll order the tofu and just throw it away? Cause that's the best use for it. Yeah. <laughs> Different stuff like that. Uh, but listen to that. I was got my gears turning. I'm like, man, I really should take up hunting. Yeah. With throwing stars. With throwing stars. That would be crazy. Um, but that got me r- thinking more about just like in this culture and in colder climates, this culture meaning regionally, uh, like winter time, it makes perfect sense that people would have been eating meat way 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 in abundance to anything else that they were eating yeah you can't you can't literally there's like next to nothing else available mm-hmm. you know besides ancient fermenting processes to store stuff like the yeah, that's crazy and they would have been eating more of it because the animals are also not able to eat as much so they're pretty much starving animals there so they're not going to be Number one is tasty, but also because there's not as much fat, and they're they're uh, not going to be as well nourished, uh-huh. so they have to eat more of the the meat. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. I and and I think it would be, so I I, kind of have this, uh, aversion to hunting just because I know how not not because of the act of it or anything, just because I know it's like. Gosh, it's a time commitment. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And so I just have this natural aversion to it to just, like, I'm not going to go waste my time doing that, but because I have that natural aversion to it, it's probably something really good for me to do. And like, I think I could chill, do the stuff that that guy was talking about. Like, they talked about he stalks <laughs> animals for, like, weeks. Um, And if I was, like, on my feet, like, having to like people do in the in in the amazon or something Uh you know like i'm having to learn how to be quiet i'm like seeing something and i shoot it right there um so it's somewhat active Uh i think i could do that but just to sit in a thing and wait for a deer to come for eight hours yeah yeah that doesn't that's that's what suck yeah so literally the this is the most I've ever learned about hunting in this hour podcast. So if I say something dumb and you know more about this, hey, <laughs> humor me. Uh, but I would think something like bow hunting, so different seasons or different, you know, what you're using. Uh, I would think bow hunting is much more active because your range of shot is going to be significantly different than any kind of rifle. I don't know. I don't think it's still active. I think you still chill. Really? Yeah. You just... Uh, we need some hunting friends. Well, so I have this new patient that is a, a avid hunter, and he was talking about something that they do where they get, like, a line of dudes, and then there's another line of guys, and they, like, walk to, like, scary animals, and then they shoot. <laughs> and he was talking about the danger of it because, you know, <laughs> there's other people over there. Um, so that could have totally misunderstood what he said and but that's kind of what I got from what he said but that's still not active you're like you know 
that's like no, whatever no, twenty to one. No, I'm talking. I'm talking about yeah, going and finding an animal and yeah, like the. <clears throat> have you ever watched that show? Um, is it what she's talking about here? Below zero. No, I don't know what that is. Rebecca, I'm gonna put that on that queue. I'm gonna watch that. It's uh, chasing monsters. The guy that tries to catch the huge fish. Uh. Uh-uh. Anyway, he goes all over all over the world and tries to catch these you know huge fish. Like he's big, obviously chasing monsters. He wants to catch a monster, whatever species it is. He wants to catch the biggest one there is. Loch, um, Loch Ness monster. So he was fishing somewhere in uh, South America, maybe. But he goes and like chills with stays with the tribes and those are like the fishing guides that take him out to these places so <laughs> at one night they had to go hunting so him and the chief just went walking around in the woods and they seen this um, bird that landed in one of the trees and it looked like this bow and arrow that he just made and he smoked this thing <laughs> just you know whatever 40 that's, feet in the air and it just drops and that's what fed the, his people that night that's so great it's crazy. Like I think I could do something. Like, I don't know. Yeah, obviously, I would not be any good at it. But I'd have to figure out how to get good at it. But that form of hunting, I feel like I could get into. Yeah. All right. But well. just the act of like killing something just to kill it, and you know, because you have this high-powered gun and make you feel powerful. Like I don't think I get well, that type of stuff. And then, you know, what's normal is. Yeah, you you sit, wait, shoot, and then just go take it somewhere else, and they bring you all this packaged stuff just like you would get at the right. freaking grocery store. Right. So, yeah, they were talking about how, yeah, once the animal's dead, that's like that's the tiniest little bit of what all goes into this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, talking about hauling hauling it out and yeah, he's say kill like a 300 pound grizzly bear like jeez or black bear or something again humor me <laughs> that would be like a baby uh, grizzly bear would it I don't know pulls it out and so then it's yeah this whole that's a whole process then actually doing something with everything and yeah that's nuts that's awesome it's, it sounds super cool. Yeah. I would have to learn how to use some sort of a weapon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because then he's talking about, right, so having to train all year long, like to be sharp when it's hunting season. Right. Cool. If anybody's a hunter, uh, touch base with us. We want to talk to you. Uh, yeah, for selfish reasons. <laughs> Whatever. Um, did you talk to? Is her name Sarah? Yeah. Is that on the books yet? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. I haven't talked to her about. Oh, are we doing that next week? I whenever she can. Yeah, I'll ask her. Okay, cool. So coming up soon, little teaser. Uh, Alex has a friend who is she's a midwife, mm-hmm. and we're gonna talk to her about some everything involved with that kind of get her story and uh, we had a question from a listener not too long ago about just natural family planning so hopefully those topics will come up as well look forward to it cool thank you guys catch you next time